Welcome to the East Main Media Podcast, a series of conversations featuring leaders in a variety of subjects, including business, politics, media, and the arts. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com forward slash podcast. Now here's your host, Brian Brodeur. So let's segue again. Tell me about Bruce Springsteen, because Hmm. you are beyond fan. You have a connection with Bruce and the band and Stevie. Give me the worldview here. The worldview is in 1975, as the silly 15-year-old listening to Jethro Tull in Kansas and whatever else I was listening to, I had this friend, Jamie Halper, and he used to talk to all of us about this guy, Springsteen, and yeah, 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 okay, I maybe heard a couple of his songs. I obviously knew Blinded by the Light, but I, I didn't really know much about it until September 9th, 1977, when I saw my first show, mm-hmm. which was the Darkness on the Edge of Town tour, and I saw the first show at the old Brendan Byrne Arena, and by you know the second or third song, I was hooked, and I realized, oh my God, there's so much more. This is not just a musician. This is not just a poet. This is one of the greatest performers of all time who obviously observed everything Elvis did, everything Little Richard did, and combined it, and it became a three- or four-hour experience that brought me, and still to this day, brings me more joy than I could ever explain. It's really a spiritual experience. I actually told this to a rabbi once. I said, you know, rabbi, if you could ever somehow just get half of what's going on at a Springsteen concert, you'll pack this place. Listen, I love the music, and I worked in radio, so I was fortunate enough to be around some musicians and really get to know the music. And we probably have seen 250, 300 shows over 40 years. And since I sort of had this connection with Stephen through his wife, through the nonprofit world, and got involved with Stephen's nonprofits, I've been a little bit more visible in the Bruce world. And I started doing Facebook Live. I had my own show in the pit during the concert where I would interview different people. Yeah. It's hysterical. It's really funny that people know me. Last night I went to see Nils Lofgren at City Winery, and I'm sitting with a good friend of mine, Joan Walsh, who's on CNN, who's just an amazing journalist, and five people come up to me. (laughs) Are you Mitch? I'm John from Toronto. I follow you. Oh, that video of your mom. Oh, my. (laughs) And, and, you know, and I'm like, this is Joan Walsh. Right. What are you, you know, and Joan's cracking up, and my kids have seen that, and my wife's experienced it. And I find it funny, but I think kind of the lesson is, for me, Bruce has clearly been one of my passions. Mm. And when you're able to combine the passion with other things that you love, like I do broadcasting and radio and obviously all the new media and, and social media, and combine that in a creative way, and also the need for me to share, and I don't mean share in a FOMO way, but I mean to share experiences that I'm fortunate to be at So when I'm at the Tribeca Grill a couple of weeks ago, actually, and Bruce shows up, it's a charity thing. There's maybe a couple of hundred people there. I go to it every year. Bruce is on the board of this foundation. And Bruce gets on stage and starts playing, and I'm shooting this video. And, you know, all these people are watching all over the world instantly. That didn't have a chance to be in that room. And, you know, I've been lucky, and I've made some really, really great friends and had some wonderful experiences. Some would say stalker, but, um, and I will admit that I did 
in college, drive by his house in Rumson, and we did steal grass from his lawn, and we put it in a little Ziploc bag and had it on our dorm room door. So maybe at 19, I was a bit of a stalker. Now it's just pure admiration, and it's for everyone in the band. I mean, Nils Lofgren, to me, is one of the greatest guitar players ever, as is Steven, who's an incredible writer. Max Weinberg, I mean, these are Jersey guys, and Gary W. Talent. I was going to say there's a lot of talent there. So, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Follow your dreams, follow your passion, and if you can somehow take a little step into this world, a friend of mine describes it as like there's this little circle around the Bruce world. Nobody ever gets in, but then there's this other circle kind of outside of it, and there are a handful of people from time to time that get to step in, Mm. and I've had my chance sort of in the last 10 to 15 years to kind of get in a little bit in that circle, and it's, it's pretty cool. For a young listener to what we're talking about now, younger than us, Mitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's a recommended gateway album? Someone really kind of only knows the star of Bruce, right? But if you want to get deep, here's your doorway. It's a really interesting question that you're asking that in 2019 because there is a movie coming out later this year which really answers that question. The name of the movie is Blinded by the Light, and it's done by the same people that did Bend It on Beckham, and it's about a young Indian boy who is a teenager and sort of struggling, and a friend of his hands him a cassette tape of a Bruce Springsteen album, which I'll tell you what it is in a minute. And when I first saw the trailer for that movie, and I remember saying, he better be handing him Darkness on the Edge of Town, because there is no other, in my opinion, gateway to Bruce Springsteen's soul than that album. Every single note of every single song, every track, every lyric, every ounce of that album is Bruce Springsteen. And yes, Born to Run is one of the greatest albums of all time, and and most people would think, oh, I would say Born to Run. But I think the heart and soul of who that man is, and if you got to see him on Broadway, or if you even watch the Netflix special, you'll understand what he went through in his life has not been easy. And the pain of his life with his father is really in a number of songs like Factory and Adam Raised the Cane and Badlands. And then you get the youth and what it was like growing up with racing in the street. And then, you know, you have the idea of a better future, the promised land. Each song is just sort of a musical journey. And if you really don't know Bruce and you want to listen or you want to get your kids into Bruce... Yeah, you, maybe if they're very young, get them into Hungry Heart or Waiting on a Sunny Day or something fun like that or Glory Days or Dancing in the Dark. You know, these are all the hits that he had. But really, the legwork, I mean, the hard work that you need to do is listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town, which I did on my turntable in 1977 over and over. And I'll tell you an even funnier story about that album if you please. have a second. Yeah, please. So a friend of mine who is a DJ actually has a show on Sirius, and he also is sort of connected in the Bruce world, actually a lot more than me. In 19, summer of 1977, I was driving a van at Camp Riverbend in Warren, New Jersey. It was a day camp. And the guy that was my co-counselor was also a big Bruce fan. And this is right about the time I got to see him finally and, and really just going crazy. And we're driving the van home. And on the radio, Scott Muni comes on, WNEWFM. This is Scott Muni. You're not going to believe it, but ladies and gentlemen... Darkness on the Edge of Town. Boom, the first note of Badlands. They had the album. Wow. This is a month before the album is released. Wow. 
The fans went nuts. The Springsteen people went crazy. How did this happen? I never heard the story. I never knew another word other than I'll never forget listening to that album. Now, flash forward 40 years later, I have this friendship with this great guy, Rich, and Rich tells me the story how in 1977, I was 17, he was probably 10, I think, at the time, and his father wanted to get a gift, I think it was for Mother's Day, for their mother, and and she wanted Barbra Streisand's new record, Guilty, which had just come out. I'm probably going to get the record store wrong. I always say it was Alwick's and Elizabeth. It was probably a different one. I always forget which one. And they went and they got the record. They opened it up. She's all excited. They take the album out of the sleeve. They put it on, and Badlands is playing. Wow. There was a mistake in the factory at Columbia, (laughs) and I think there were maybe 100 or 200 albums. So Rich's father calls in to WNEW and says, I have darkness on the edge of town. Would you like it? They said, we don't believe you. Bring it here, and we'll give you whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. They meet him at the station. Obviously, they have the album. They gave him a bunch of T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. And I've said to Rich many times, it's probably what got Rich into radio. And years later, my friend had the opportunity to tell that story to not only Bruce, but to John Landau. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, amused and pissed. Exactly. Well, yeah. you know, but it's a great story, and, yeah. it's a, and, and I love it, and and uh, and it's just sort of kind of part of the whole saga with Darkness on the Edge of Town, but really a great album. One can only imagine that vinyl exists somewhere. Oh. I wonder if that's, you know, in a shelf somewhere. I, I would imagine that my friend has it, actually, that particular vinyl. Uh, he has just about every vinyl ever made. Um, Barbara so, Streisand. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's just, just just, really, really funny. And, you know, and nothing against Barbara. It was a great album. No, but, no, you know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So, yeah, that's that's really, to answer your question, Darkness on the Edge of Town is definitely the gateway drug for yep. Bruce Springsteen. Thank you for that. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting. Bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. I want to take somewhat of a left turn, a little bit more esoteric, but this connects to our conversation about your career and about some of your colleagues and friends that you know. What is your definition of success? My definition of success, I would say, are having kids that look up to you and admire you and respect you and that listen to you. They may think you're crazy at times, but the fact that I have a son who's amazing, who's 26, and a daughter who's amazing at 22, and we have such a close relationship, and of course an incredible marriage with my wife Leslie of roughly 32 years, that's success. And it's all family. Because at the end of the day, family comes first. Everything else is just noise, and I've had a lot of noise in my life about a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, my mom, my dad was an incredible person, my brother and sister, and and now my kids and my nieces and nephews. And so having a close family, for me, equals success. We talked about curiosity earlier, and you did sort of connect that a little bit to your mom and your upbringing. Mm -hmm. What makes you curious, and what role does that play in your life? 
You know, I, I have to really credit my aunt Annette, who was a dancer early in her career. She did ballet and ice skating, and then she was a writer, wrote for Steve Allen before working at the Star-Ledger for many years. But she was somebody who always wanted to learn, and she challenged me more than any teacher I've ever had, any professor I ever had, and got me into literature, got me reading Charles Dickens, got me into everything England and everything British, introduced me to Monty Python and Foresight Saga or whatever else was on BBC at the time. And I just learned from her to just try different things and just to be curious about the world. It was just sort of always a part of me. And I, I love new experiences. I'd love to jump out of a plane one day, which everyone in my family thinks is nuts, but it's just one of those things I would love to experience. And I'm getting closer to probably thinking I should do it soon. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's a wonderful thing. And then working for Larry and really watching his curiosity those two years, you know, Larry would have James Michener on and whatever. I think Space had been the book. Sure. And Larry didn't read the book. You know, <laughs> his first question is, when you were young, James, did you, did you look up at the moon? Did you, did you wonder, is it, is it made of green cheese? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, and... Every single guest that Larry had, and whether it was on radio or CNN, and he's still doing it, yeah. he asked the questions that you're thinking about, that you're curious about. He doesn't pry. His form of interviewing is not gotcha. Right. It's like, I get you, and I understand you. Ultimately, the curiosity, I think, does come from the relationship with my aunt and what I learned from her about the world. And then Larry King kind of put that real rubber stamp on it. And, I mean... Why not be curious? Why not try to find things out that you know nothing about? Right. It's probably why I'm just so fascinated with history. You mentioned England, and are you an Anglophile? Do you like to travel? Well, I love traveling, and being in England a couple of times was incredible. And actually, towards the end of my aunt's life, mm -hmm. she had never traveled. She really just never had the money or the wherewithal to travel, and she had a pen pal who actually she outlived from the war days that she had written to, who I met when I was maybe a little kid who came to New York. So I got to take, my wife and I took my aunt, who literally died five days after we brought her home. She had pancreatic cancer. No one in my family thought she would go. They all thought I was crazy, but I wanted to take her to England. And we made it happen, and she got to see all of these amazing sights and the tower, and she loved the monarchy and Buckingham Palace and, and got to some shows on the West End and and as much as I loved it the first time, going to the Churchill War Rooms and everything about it, watching her enjoy it meant so much to me. Sure. You know, when you asked about what success, if you asked me right now, and I, would, I think I've given this answer to many people, what I'm most proud of in my life, it's being able to have taken my aunt to England. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. I'm speaking to Mitch Slater from the wonderful podcast, Financially Speaking with Mitch Slater. For those who are listening to this podcast, please check out Mitch's work and uh, his fascinating background and story. There's so much more we could talk about. I would like to leave our conversation with a question that I like to ask my guests. So there's a phone, rings, you pick it up, you have a conversation, you hang up the phone. The person that just called you solved your biggest problem or concern or, or worry, who was on the phone and what did they solve? Wow, is that a great question. I would probably say, I don't want to go political. 
and I don't mean this in any political way, but I hate the way our country is. I just don't like the divisiveness, and I don't like what we've turned into. And I really wish that it was Abraham Lincoln on the phone, and that Abraham Lincoln would say to me, listen, kid, I got us through the Civil War. You can get through this presidency and all this craziness that we have in the world right now and all this hate and all this anger and all this mistreatment of children and women and just everything out there. But I'd like to believe that it was Abe Lincoln saying, it's been worse and I got you through it. Yeah. So hang in there, kid, and let everybody know. I don't know why he'd be calling me kid. I'm 59, but I guess he's been dead for 150 well, yeah, years, so I guess yeah. he gets to do that. <laughs> Meters run um, yeah. But yeah, just let me know that everything's going to be all right because I'm really worried as a parent and maybe as a grandparent one day about what the future is going to bring for this planet because I care a lot about America, but I care a lot about the world that my kids get a chance to live in. So it was good talking to you, Abe. <laughs> and it was good talking to you, Mitch. Oh, I would have, I would have told him to skip the show, though. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been my message to him. That, the, yeah, that enough. might not be a good night for theater. Yeah. Okay. By the way, yeah. yeah, have other dinner plans with your wife. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, Thank and you, congratulations Brian. to your daughter. Go Terrapins. Yep. Go Terps. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening.